Hi there, Carm Capriato. Excited to bring you another Geek Talk 2.0 episode. On par for this series, my team is talking large on tech. And also, where does AAA fit in your business? Some AI and data issues to ponder. That you take your statistician, you take your mathematician, you take your developer, you take your, you take all these different people and they bring all these different aspects and this black box becomes smarter than any individual. Welcome aftermarketers to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Carm Capriato here. How you doing? Hey, you know, Remarkable Results Radio is proud to partner with Napa Auto Care and the 2020 Napa Expo. Join Napa and me in Las Vegas, April 6th through 9th, 2020, where you'll discover the latest news and industry information. Mark your calendar right now. Plan to be there. Enrollment has begun. Contact your Napa store to find out more April 6th through 9th, 2020. I'll see you in Las Vegas. Hey, welcome to Remarkable Results Radio. We're listening while you are mobile via your smartphone or tablet. It's so easy. Just add Remarkable Results Radio to your podcast subscriptions or download our own listening app from your app store. Now, it's totally free on demand and available worldwide. Hey, did you know that all podcast episodes have a page that provides the key talking points that are already written for you and a short bio on my guest? Find today's show page at remarkableresults.biz slash E441. Now, do you know someone who's struggling to grow a great automotive service business? Well, please put them in touch with this podcast. Now, I know, as you know, that they will thank you as they find a treasure of insights, ideas, and best practices that they will use to make some bold steps in turning around their business. Now, listen to your panel. Greg Buckley from Buckley's Personalized Auto Care, Chris Clodier from Golden Rule Auto Care, and the CEO of Auto Text Me. Bill Nalu's here from Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan, and Kareem Morsley, Winkler Automotive, Gaithersburg, Maryland, in their fourth installment of Geek Talk 2.0. This episode took an interesting path as Greg brought his perspective on AAA, Chris talked about AI, Bill has his thoughts on his suppliers, and Kareem, well, he talked about the importance of data ownership. Hey, a warm welcome to my, oh my God, look at this. You, if you were in the studio, everyone, and could see uh, these, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon faces, because it looks, every one of them looks like it's happy hour somewhere. We, what the hell are we doing in here doing another <laughs> Geek Talk 2.0 Part 4? But we are. And I'm um, so happy to have Greg Buckley from Buckley's Personalized Auto Care, Wilmington, Delaware. Hey, Greg. Hey, Carm. How's everybody doing? Chris Clodier, co-owner of Golden Rule Auto Care in Dallas, Texas, and CEO of Auto Text Me. Hey, Chris. Hello, Carm. Hello, everyone. Good to have you here. Kareem Morsel, owner of Winkler Automotive, Gaithersburg, Maryland. Howdy there. Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. You're traveling everywhere. You, you, you're in such demand at all these major events. We have to work around your schedule. This is a this is this is great. Who would have thought when you guys came to me with this idea, uh, maybe a year ago now, that we'd be doing uh, our fourth fourth episode? But they've been great. You guys are thinking above and beyond as far as it, it relates to the automotive and the things that we need to worry about. Just did a, my second interview with um, with Joe Register, who is the vice president of, uh, you know, emerging technologies with auto care. And again, my second interview with Joe just blew my mind. I'm sitting there going, 
oh, you know, it's like we are on a perfect trek to continue to talk about data, uh, what's going on with the technology in our industry. And Greg, I know, you know, you kind of breached for all of us. We all kind of take turns as to what we should be talking about. And I think you gave us one heck of an agenda to worry about. And that is how is data being used today and how are we going to deal with it? I'll let you start. Yeah, it was that one afternoon when something was really just on my mind and, and it really just came to, you know, come to come to fact that, you know, we're fighting the reason to, to protect our data, which is good and the business intelligence and everything that goes with it. But, you know, and I think I may have touched on this on our last geek talk, but being part of different organizations, especially when you're working with the state, you get to see how data is really being used and why and what it's for. From an economic standpoint, you know, Corporations moving into into your state or county or whatever need to see specific data points in order to make make an accessibility situation to review their their investments, where it's going to mean you know. So a lot of factors come into play. Now you might say that all right, a welder's value to a project might be more important than a technician's uh, value. However, there's got to be so many technicians or so many people capable of supporting the equipment that's going to be in the area. That's a real long drawn out thing. So, um, with everything that you know, this panel has talked about in terms of saving data and protecting it. Why don't we learn how to manage it, be in control of it? We understand that data is a new oil, and there's value in it, and we can see it by you know what we collect, what kind of vehicles we work on, the mileage that's there, the uh, down to you know uh, license plate numbers. Um, filters, frequencies, all of that, address, everything that goes with it. And that becomes a resource for us. That's, that's an asset to us. And we still go back into we're watching in the marketplace, third parties come in and for all the pluses or minuses that we see and we recognize that we have something that we're kind of giving up for what a, is a perceived value. And sometimes the value is good and other times it's, you know, it's not we should be paid more in a sense. And then I got involved with, like I said, my relationship, which is expanding into, I'll say right here, into AAA and what they're trying to do was very exciting. I think that's where we came off of the last board meeting. And for me and a few other shop owners, about 20 of us throughout the country from Oklahoma to the East Coast, our club is the only one that has a board that works with AAA to make sure that there's equity in the relationship. And this all started from all of the, you know, stuff that we created two years ago when AAA was being the, the heavy hand and the big gorilla in the room. And, and we had to go to battle with them to let them know, hey, wait a minute, hold on here. That's what we got. Let's, let's calm this down. Let's work the right way. So I look at it from another lens. What can we do to manage the data. Work with a work with a third party, someone who has our trust and we have theirs and we're working with them. How can they make this and make what we produce a better value? That's what started it. I, I really put the video together for you guys to chew on it and, and uh, gosh darn you really did. But maybe we bring that to the table and here we are opening up the conversation to all of the guests and, and listeners here on the podcast. We started with AAA. My experience with AAA in the beginning mm -hmm. and how it's changed since then. So back in the day, we used to do AAA towing. One of the things that I used to see early on 
was AAA would come along and say, man, Carm, you know, you've done a great job for us. You've got this big territory. You're doing such a great job. You know, you've got one truck, right? You're paying, I don't know, let's just say two grand on this lease payment with a, with a $1 buyout at the end of this thing for a $120,000 truck. So they say, you know, you're doing such a great job, Carm. Would you mind taking a second territory? And so you pick up a second territory. Now you're even bigger and better. Before you know it, you've got a third truck because you've got a third territory or a fourth truck. And then all of a sudden, a year later, the fixed costs, what you thought was your entire costs because you were not a business owner, turn into variable costs by virtue of there's a wheel that fell off the, the truck and, and Gojacks got stolen and, and thousands of every time you turn around, it's thousands of dollars of costs that you didn't realize were going to, um, were going to be consumed. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, I'm towing cars for 25 bucks up to possibly 10 miles away from base. And that is when it really starts hitting you at that point in time. And that is that, am I with somebody who, who's helping me or are they just using me because there's going to be another? That was my experience before. I think AAA, thanks to your good work, Mr. Buckley, and other uh, shop owners around the country, I think maybe they're seeing a more cohesive, independent service network. And uh, God forbid, they might want to have us sit at the table, as you have, and say, we can make this, a, we can make this better if we work together, right? And maybe, just maybe, they realize they do not want to be in the business that we're in. You're just not going to be able to do it nationally. You know, God knows that there's plenty of companies out there that, that are trying how, how, how was that working out? We, we won't name names, but how, how good is that working out for some of these folks? It's a disaster. What we do is pretty damn difficult and we're getting more and more difficult every day for those that aren't doing the kind of work that we're doing right now here on, on this podcast. I believe that AAA would have gone in that direction, just gone further and further had we as a collective not said, um, you might want to watch. And I use this, by the way, all the time with other suppliers. I was half hour ago, I was having a conference call with somebody. And I said to somebody, I said, I just want you to know you could do this if you want. But the extra money that you're going to collect monthly for this, may you cause other people to say, no, you know what? I'm not getting that for the value. And if that product doesn't take off, it looks like a dud. That's not a good thing if you're bringing something out to the market area and, and you don't have much penetration. So in this regard, I'm totally with you. I think we're, we're in a position now where we're talking the, the, the shops that are going to, that are going to work together to the level that we're working are going to continue to broadcast out to those that are wanting to dance with us that we're much more collected than they might have thought it at first. Bill, let me stop you for a minute and ask, Greg, a few years ago, you were really worried about where the data was going, and and now you're okay with it. What changed? When they came back and they gave a clear-cut contract with an addendum that spelled out specifically what they were going to ask for and who they were going to ask it from, meaning that in AAA's case, it is only the AAA member. It is no one else. So if they don't have a AAA card, then your data stays with you. If it's a AAA member, you're obligated to give the AAA club the AAA member information. That's all. That was the point of contention. So once we got over that, you know, and and I go back to saying this, and I've said this all along. What I did was not burn bridges. I did not, I had no intentions on burning a bridge. I, I had every intention of setting the record straight. 
And, you know, to everyone's support and credit, it, it, it got that way. But here's a big thing that AAA is now really, really, really in the hunt. And I, and I, and I want to be specific here to our audience is that I say AAA because they're the only ones that I actually see making inroads. There could be some, somebody, some organization somewhere along the line paralleling this whole situation. I'm unaware of it. But for me, what I see AAA is because of the inroads and the, and the uh, companionship. And I'll say that very plainly. It's a companionship that you know I've developed over the years with those VIPs within AAA. But where they're headed is something that no other organization can match. They are a bridge to the motorist, to the mechanic, to the government. And that is a big, big network. And it's a very important network. ASA, AASP, ASCCA, all of these smaller groups that we all love and we learn from and we know and we support cannot match the reach of AAA. So when AAA says, hey, I'm really on your side, I'm proving it. And they have a board that comes in once or twice a year and listens to us and takes down our, our information and they were allowed to critique freely, and they really believe in what we're doing, that's a very strong partner. That's a partner that we just don't have and that I'm aware of. It comes down to this, is that when we want to remain relevant, we're going to need an advocate that can go to legislator and act on their behalf in not just Washington, D.C., but in every state in the union. AAA is the only organization that I'm aware of that can do that. And legislators listen to AAA so intently. They're gospel. They literally are gospel. So I've been able to sit in a couple of meetings that had legislators. It had new rules for technology for the autonomous situation. Who was there leading the way? AAA. Who was writing legislation or crafting the outlines for the legislation on behalf of the independents? AAA. I literally sat there and watched one gentleman by the name of Ken Grant. We were in a framework session for the new autonomous laws coming here to Delaware or what Delaware expects to do. So in that, the person leading the conversation on this was a representative from Uber, an attorney from Uber. I would say that she influenced at least 80% of the conversation and helped craft a lot of the language going in. Ken Grant from AAA stopped everything and said, hey, wait a minute, you're not ruling out the independent market. And I go, I'm in the back room and I'm watching from another screen. I go, right on. All right, they get it. So that is a partner that I, yeah, we we went to battle with, but you know what? Now I clearly see that they need to have the marketplace so that their membership has a reliable network of professionals that can be relied upon. And again, who do you think in the marketplace, I've said this to a couple of colleagues recently, be honest. Everybody needs to be honest with themselves, no matter where you're at and where you're listening at, and evaluate your own organization, whether it's local, state, national, and ask yourself, are we truly penetrating the people we need to hear us? Or are we involved with each legislation in the state or your county? Do you have an advocate that's there full time? I can honestly tell you here in Delaware, we don't. And then, then the second half of that is, 
I'm watching here in Delaware that three members of very strong dealer group families are now state representatives. So the strategy is, hey, listen, we don't have to beat them. We can out-regulate them. We can regulate them out of a market, just like they did with inspections. Our group had to give, give and take a little bit on that recently. So the dealer group, their tentacles can reach very far and wide. The only person that they can't beat is AAA. Because you know why? And this goes back to what we're doing with child seats. I'm, I'm stringing it out here, guys. AAA owns the moms. They have the ears of the moms. They have the ears of the legislators. They support a lot of family initiatives. A dealer group, no matter how powerful, cannot beat them. So all we have to do is learn how this all works and get involved. That's why I kind of went off on what I did with working with them. But there's a huge value. And now that they're, they're growing, they've just brought on Dave Hobbs. They've got the Delphi Network. They're working closely with NAPA and uh, others as well. I don't want to single out any other group in our profession. So those that are listening that are with others, please take it this way. This is Greg Buckley. Again, my situation and what I see. Your opinions do matter. They do count. I'm just giving you what I see and I'm observing. But honestly, guys, I look at what's ahead for us and I look at who can work as hard for the data that we have and actually put it towards a have it as a benefit for us instead of us having to worry about, well, who has it? Well, does, on, does uh, Open Bay have it? And what are they doing with it? Does RepairPal have it? And what are they doing with it? Does you name it? Anybody else out there, I'm not naming names on purpose. They're just top of my mind here. But any other third party that comes in, Carfax, Car my gosh, that, that, that fox right there. So why aren't we working with a trusted partner that listens to us and understands what we have? And brings us market share because that's also, that's going to be key as well. You know, so these benefits and of course this, this relationship certainly isn't perfect, but at least there are voices at the table from both sides consistently. And I believe that's a benefit all around for us. You bring a very good point up to the table, Greg. And let me give you my, just like, like Bill, I want to give a very quick one minute roundup of where I was. When I took over my shop and where I am today with AAA, at the time at, I was with AAA, Greg, just like you with, with the Mid-Atlantic section, and we had a lot of issues. My memory was they were intransigent on the fact that they wanted to install something on my server to be able to get you know, the data about the customers that were coming in for, with toes, etc., in light of that, with also seeing a decline in the number of toes and the opening of two of their service centers up and down the road for me, I found it very difficult to, to, to justify continuing. Having said that, you bring up a very good point in, to, in the fact that you know they do have the ears of the moms and the legislators. It is potentially a great partner for us. My thinking, and again, putting my geek hat on, is really about if we're talking about vehicle resident data, there's two things that come to mind. Number one is whoever is going to be able to tap into it, will we have the right to do it? Number one. So the legislation around this is still you know, cloudy at best. And I think so many customers don't even know about it. And two, if we even have the right for it, the mechanisms by which we can physically get that data, process it, 
in a way that it not only protects the customer, but allows us to service the customer in a better way. That, that's been my challenge with this whole data thing on, you know, on, the, uh, you know, on the next generation car. Uh, and it's, it's right there. It's, it's on the streets right now. I mean, we're starting to see a few of these cars that are coming out of warranty and they have that ability you know, to, to download. But so that's also something else that's on my mind. And you know, is AAA, for example, in the discussions you, you, you've had with them, is there talk about, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a little device that you can download data from? you know, with and, and process and so forth. And, and also, where do we safeguard that data? Because then it becomes a liability potentially, you know, for us or whoever's going to work with it. So these are all the questions that I'm actually wondering, because I, I think you bring up a very, very, not only important, but timely point, you know, timely subject, because us shops, it's going to take us a little bit of time to get geared up and ready for that next generation of, of service we could offer based on all that data that's out there. You're correct. And, and that was one of the harder points for a lot of people in our area to get through. Now, granted, there was one location being presented in my way, a brick and mortar. They since abandoned that. Why? Because the numbers didn't work. The numbers do not work in most of their locations. They certainly have it there, but it's because there is a membership that is asking for some kind of service. Remember, if you're going to penetrate a, a market, you're going to have bricks and mortar. You're going to have, uh, people on the street, you know, feet on the ground, boots on the ground. If they have a network of shops capable of handling that mass amount of people or that market share, they're probably more reluctant to actually enter it in a physical way. They'll rely on their network. And, and believe me, what I hear and what I see from the director in our club is that they certainly don't want to spend five, six, seven million just in bricks and mortar per location here when they can have a viable network. So there is a compromise that they understand they have to go to. We are the in-between. But the bigger thing is, is that just like I experienced this month of May here at Buckley's, I have never had so many third-party referrals coming to me from different agencies, whether it's AAA, whether it is RepairPal or CarMax or another warranty company. And is this the new model or is this what we expect to see in the future? Because I went to the guys and I said, where's our organic growth coming from? Are we looking at what zip codes, what postcards did we hit? What, what took place that made this an abnormally strange month for one concentration of client that engaged with Buckley's? And you look at it and you go, well, that's pretty powerful. Well, if the local CarMax is selling anywhere from 35 to 50 cars per day in my area. Okay, that's very, very strong. All right, if AAA is signing up X amount of members per day or has a group of members in my area and they're starting to flush out the network to them, that's pretty strong. I'm getting back to, we have someone who is genuinely promoting us, referring us, working with us and advocating for us. And if there's another organization out there that can do all of that, then I need to see them. I want to hear from them. And not just from the legislative, not just one person in D.C. I need the whole gamut. I need all 50 states covered. And I need the national exposure. And that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm, I'm, I, yes, we're, I'm, I'm saying AAA, and, and then the audience is probably going, oh, there he goes again. You know, you, you hear the words, well, you sold out to, that's stupid. Well. I can tell you that if a partner is going to have their hand out and work with you, then 
you should at least be kind enough or respectful enough to at least sit at the table. I want to talk about how the data could be used, right? Because yeah. that's, so I want to switch topics to AI. Yeah. yeah. Dun, dun, dun. So there's data-driven models, right? So how is Kareem going to get, how, how do we use the data? We're, we, we can't. I'm, I'm going to tell you all that right now. I'm, I'm, I'm a geek, right? Um, we don't have the systems. We don't have the programming. We don't. But what will happen is, how does Amazon's Lex um, which is the digital, um, it, it's, it's AI, but it, you can take pictures and it can, in a, in a frame, it can tell you what a book is versus what your phone is. It can tell you what a teddy bear is compared to what a picture is. And this is all data-driven, right? So the model's got, and model gets smarter as it gets more input, more input, more input, more input, more input, right? And then it has this probability of what this thing would be or wouldn't be. And that's why you hear about, you know, a car going off the rails every once in a while, or, or there was the Tesla that there was part of the guardrail missing. So it sped up right into the guardrail that happened because it didn't know what to do with that. Now, it's got terabytes of data that it's having to trend, right? So how are we going to use that? And how is that going to benefit us? Sharing it with AAA or sharing it. Identifix, I'll tell you right now, I'm waiting for their AI. They're going to give you a probability and they're going to start applying AI to all the data they're getting for fixes. And then they're going to give you a high probability, which they already do, but it's all based off of our input and there's not a, there's too much data for them to trend. Now think about the way that transitions to a digital inspection. We're talking about technician shortage right now. What if your technician, which Identifix is already starting down that road, what if you give them that tool, right, which is the digital inspection, the digital inspection smart, customer says there's a right grinding in the front, front right, and immediately it tells the technician, here's some high probabilities of what's going on here. And, and here's things to look at. Here's parts that you need to replace. And here's like all these things that will, will lead them to the answer that much quicker because they're taking in all this data. So we'll see the benefit of that data. We will, right? Um, best thing is when I was at one of these uh, IoT conferences and I was watching this demonstration for one of these uh, shoe companies. And they talked about how they have all these apps for runners and they have the shoes and you talk about smart shoes and they talked about sooner or later, your shoe and your manufacturer with the app and everything that goes on with that shoe because all the sensors will be able to tell Kareem whether he's got an in-step or an out-step, how much he jogs, how much he runs and they're going to be able to tell him, look, this is the kind of shoe you need because the shoe you've been wearing is the wrong kind of shoe, right? So we're going to get benefit as consumers, I think, and as also as auto repair shops for sharing this data. Right. And we're scared about AAA and AAA does have their own independent shops. They're going to use that data. Right. Now, will they be able to apply the mathematicians and all the people that could build AI? Now, AI models are a lot easier to build than they've ever been before. So it's getting to where a lot of companies can get into this game, which is scary because then if we are sharing certain data, um, some people are going to get ahead. And what scares me is you're talking about AAA, I'm going to throw out the fear there. You know, Lyft is talking about auto repair. And everybody says, mm-hmm. well, that, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, you've got a company that's worth hundreds of billions of dollars or whatever, right? They don't care, right? Elon Musk doesn't care. We talk about our specialty and I like what Bill says that, like we're specialized, we understand it. They're saying, we don't care if we make a dollar, right? And they're going to apply technology. They're going to apply these AI models. There's going to, they're going to build all these systems and places that I don't think we're paying attention to. So that data is important. It's super important. We, I just hope it gets into the right hands of the right people that once again, when Identifix builds their AI model, it helps my technician get to that fix that much quicker. Or when these DVI companies figure out how to apply 
on the reason why vehicles here, how to apply. Here's, here's, here's the high probability of your fixes, right? And we start educating our technician that much quicker. That's pure benefit that we can see as far as shop level growth. That was a 500 tablet distilled jar of geekness that just came out. <laughs> what we're talking about is none of us here are pessimists by any means, but there's some pessimism. And then there's the optimism that I always come back with is for those of us, Greg, that we're, we're, we're uh, gas station dealers. You can sell your gas cheaper. You can do whatever the hell you want. But when we show up at full serve with our tie, we're checking oil and we're saying good morning and offering a cup of coffee, whatever, there's no model they will ever build uh, that is ever going to capture the the heart of that consumer because uh, there's always going to be a consumer that is willing to pay a little bit more for a lot more of 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 heart worthy service if you want to call it that and and I stake our future uh, as an as an aftermarket industry as professionals um, on the same thing that has gotten us this far. This is the reason why we we service seven out of ten cars in industry is because you know Bill and Greg and Chris and Kareem aren't golfing uh, in Bermuda five days a week. They're here at the, their place of business and they're working it. You know, we're, uh, we're still who we are and God bless you guys. You know, we, we love it. We love the, the, the five days a week or, or more. Hey, it's Carm here. Today, I have a special message for Napa Auto Care Centers who are looking to take the next step in growing their business and partnership. Now, if you're ready to strive and take it to the next level, NAPA invites you to consider Gold Certification. Gold Certification is a premier tier of NAPA Auto Care that recognizes repair shops with a higher level of participation in the Auto Care program. The program was built by Auto Care Centers for Auto Care Centers to provide a consistent consumer experience, maximize technology leverage, and reward NAPA's most committed partners. When consumers visit a gold-certified auto care center, whether it's a small facility in a rural community or a multi-bay shop in a large metropolitan area, they can expect a first-class service repair experience. This includes a well-trained staff using today's technology and quality NAPA parts in a comfortable, up-to-date facility. Customers at gold-certified shops will also enjoy an extended parts and labor warranty, valuable saving opportunities, along with access to credit to pay for needed repairs, and a whole lot more. Here's what you need to qualify for the program. First, you need to be an active auto care partner for at least 12 months and have a steady business presence in your market for at least two years. Then to become gold certified, it's necessary to meet specific requirements that chosen because they create the most consistent consumer experience and proven to generate the most significant results for auto care centers across the country. Some of these include using digital vehicle inspection, having at least one ASE master certified technician, a co-branded exterior, and offer consumer financing through NAPA Easy Pay. You must also be an active member of a business development group. Once your shop achieves gold certification, you'll receive a number of benefits, including priority placement on NAPA's shop locator pages, an allowance for marketing funds, 3636 peace of mind and local labor coverage, access to auto tech training, NAPA Tracks shop management system, smart sign digital menu board, and more. Talk with your servicing NAPA store to find out everything you need to know about becoming a gold certified shop. Greg, I don't mean to go back to the whole AAA thing, but what my big takeaway was if AAA owns the moms, how do you get access to them? Can you buy that list? Can you? Will they help you market to their moms? They will. 
They absolutely will. I mean, for the screenshots that we've seen is that you're going to be put in a network with, you're going to be given different levels and different statuses for every type of service you perform. So that's more marketing, I suppose, than actually data, but that's just today. Like Chris alluded to, you know, there's going to be different levels of data. I can't even imagine outside of what we just discussed, but how many left turns they made, how many right turns they made, all kinds of things like that will be, I believe, part of what's available. I mean, I, and I'm going out on a limb because I only know what I know. So think about the data that the vehicle has and what you could use it for. I mean, you just brought up a can of worms, how many lefts, how many rights, uh, how many fast stops. I mean, if we could pull that data, you know, this whole predictive analysis, Chris, that you were talking about could literally take the health of that, you know, the blood test of the car and the data that it can give you, put it into some kind of AI at the marketing side at the counter and say, Hey, you know what? I I think we better get you in here for breaks a little bit more often than, you know, than 50,000 miles, whatever the number is. I love that. You know, we're in this big part in our world where who owns the data and how can we have access to it? There's going to be a different set of metrics and, and different uh, data points that will be brought to life in, in newer vehicles. I do, and I look at, you know, ergonomics, seat position, controlling, you know, all, all the stuff that goes into how you interact with the car. If you're not acting right with the car, where do you go? Do you go to a AAA approved shop? Do you look it up on Identifix? Is the seat malfunction? But it doesn't have to be a AAA approved shop. If no, 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 knows no, it. no, no, it doesn't. This is the kind of data though that will be, I believe, will be starting to come in the future. You know, it is about ergonomics. It is about seat position. It is about safety within the vehicle. There's programs called CarFit where you measure the person to make sure they're correct. Where does that lead us? Well, that can lead us into other joint ventures or working with other types of, of uh, professions. Data is just so important. Data is so important and how we are able to measure it and get it and, and, and work with it and manage it that I just feel that the relationship that can be built, and again, I go back, it could be any organization, but we need somebody who can take it and manage it and work with us and help us either protect it or profit from it, one or the other. I still want to come back to that point of, you know, because the real value in all that data is going to be how it's processed and what we derive from it. And, and to Chris's point, that is the future. You know, if Identifix decides to, uh, you know, start working with Chris and say, hey, you know what, we're going to up and complement your, uh, your digital inspection tool because we can provide you this. And they can do it with any other vendor that provides a digital inspection tool, by the way. And, and again, it's like, what do we do with that data? But more importantly, you got to get that data out of the car. And I go back to our phones. Has anybody ever tried to break into their phone and get the raw data? Oh, I have. And, and I'm telling you, you can get a lot of information, but it's, what are you going to do with it? Right. You know, if you're just a hacker. So, so you know, really, how to, how to provide value is adding that layer, like, for example, artificial intelligence, which is nothing but data mining. And looking for patterns and looking for, you know, ways to make, for example, us as shop owners a more expedient diagnostics that, that's accurate, that allows us to fix the car faster, get it out faster and process more cars, uh, you know, without the risk of a comeback. What can we do with that data? Who owns that data from the onset? Right now, that is a big issue, I think, getting in the way of all these other tools coming to be. Because if the car manufacturers get their way and they're fighting for that, 
you know, that data is theirs. Greg, your point about working with somebody like AAA, you know, and, and trying to, you know, figure out the right legislation to make sure that ultimately the consumer always has that right in his or her back pocket and they can say, you know what, I want my data to be routed to Greg's automotive right now. So whenever I'm going to have service, they'll have access to it. You know, is it going to come down to that or is it just going to be open and then anybody who's going to work on a car has access to that data? This is to me this very cloudy point right now of contention because it dictates what we can do in the future with all the technology at hand. Well, when you come to the battle of the giants, um, in in your instance right there, uh, Karim, you have uh, the dealership group that will fight for that right. And then you have who to fight for us on the other side of the table. Well, you mentioned earlier, I mean, we have ASA and you've got ASCCA and you've got, I mean, there are groups, right? And I'm, I'm guilty, Greg. I, I'm one of the first guys that guilty. I don't participate like I should. You, you, you participate more than I do, 10 times more than I. I have the excuse of, of being busy, which yeah. isn't a good excuse, right? It's just hard when... Hey, Greg's like, not busy. Yeah, <laughs> when you're not on your motorcycle, sure. Uh, <laughs> And I know Carm's head shows about this too, right? Getting involved. And it's kind of like you bury your head in the sand. You do your work. You hope that whatever gets passed doesn't affect you. I am thankful for ASCCA. I've been out to some of their meetings. Everything starts in California and those guys rot law for all of us, right? Um, So I I would agree. I I don't know that AAA, I've heard you talk about it, but the thing that scares me is, you know, I like the ASCCA or ASA because they're independents, AAA does have, right, I mean, they've got regions, they've got, and, and don't get me wrong, I like AAA, uh, I'm not saying anything negative, but they're, I mean, who are they going to feed first? You know, let me just chime in here and say that ASA and AutoCare have people in Washington. I mean, they're at the table for us, believe it or not. So if AAA is what you say it is, Greg, well, then there's a bunch of voices. The other thing that's going on is that each individual states is trying to do something on their very own. And unfortunately, the federal government, it needs to have that big umbrella so that, you know, we have these, if you will, universal land uh, set of laws or rules instead of you drive to a different state. What did I hear recently? If you, if you take your car from California to Arizona, the Arizona shop needs to understand, you know, these privacy laws exist from the car that's from California. So you have to know that. It's getting to be a crazy world that we're in here. Right. And I certainly do not want to discredit any of our other fine organizations that are out there fighting. Gosh knows. I love the guys from ASCCA. They are wonderful. And auto, uh, the auto care organization and you know, ASA, all of them, all of them in a row. They're all working. We are all working our tail off to make sure that we have a viable, sustainable profession, industry, business, and trade. There's no question about it. I just look at what my experiences are here in Delaware and what I've seen. And Chris, the example that you just gave is you're here to fight, but you're also very busy, which is great. And there's no disrespect in that. You know, um, we all are busy. We all, we all seem like we can't do enough. And I look at the ability of one particular organization, and I hate to say I don't want to be labeled as the AAA guy all over, that kind of thing. I know, but, you but are. I am. Let me see. Uh, is is there a logo on his shirt, guys? Let's look. Right, look. Yeah. it is. There's three A's right there on the. Is that or is that logos? Right. Yeah. So, well, all I'm looking at is is this: is that we're all working so in- incredibly hard, 
And there seems to be a partner out there that has turned their thinking around and that they can advocate. And they do have the tentacles deeper into the public than any other organizations that we know of that give that public-facing access or presentation. And that's important from the marketing standpoint. If you ask me, if you ask my clients who, what, or how is ASA, they wouldn't know. Would they know what ASCCA is? Probably not. Would they know what AASP is? They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know any of that. But an architect that is part of an association, his clients would not know what association they belong to. And Chris, to your point earlier, you said, I'm just so damn busy. I wish I could get involved more. Just join an association. Pay your dues. Let them help those legislators that are out there fighting for you do their job in that tiny little way of of belonging. You're really helping uh, the, the industry move forward, especially if you believe in what that association believes in, that they're fighting hard for you at the table in Washington or at the state level. And, and you know, again, that's the way I think you could support this on, a, on the public. Greg, I have no, no argument that AAA has the heart and the mind of the motoring public. They're more known than any of our associations would be. But it doesn't mean that you cannot join and, and be part of both. Oh, no, not at all. No, I'm not advocating yeah, that yeah. whatsoever. I, I know you're not. I know you're not. It's just my little rant here. Chris, you said something that closed the loop for me. I think kind of like parents that give their kids cell phones, we're trying to figure this out. Like, what exactly does this this bridge between me and this supplier of customers is what is that what is the true cost of this? And we don't know yet. This is an evolving relationship. And you sort of like, is this my best friend or is this somebody who's going to stab me in the back? And I could totally see how people are afraid of the AAA possibility because they've displayed that before. But on the other hand, is this a AAA now? Is this, is this part of an industry? It's finally looking at this and saying, these guys, we've got a, a critical mass of shop owners that are really, really understanding where we want to take this to the future. And if, man, if, if we could get our parts suppliers, I know Carm keeps telling me you're never going to get to do this, but I'm telling you, I am working on them, Carm. If we could get suppliers and the AAAs of the world and the repair pals of the world uh, and repair pal, they do a certification process. I think they do a better certification process than most suppliers of, of customers do. But if we could get sort of a, a, a wish list to say to a supplier, if you want us to deal with you, these are some of the deliverables that we have to have. You're not going to deliver a water pump to a quick loop in the state of Michigan that is not a licensed repair facility and that does not have licensed technicians working in it. And the only licensing that, that we're going to recognize as an industry is, uh, is ASE certifications. To hell with all the state certifications. We want all the states to recognize ASE to be the standard of that. I think we'll, we'll get there. Hopefully, we'll get there with our input, because if we don't, we're going to get there without our input. I think you're correct. We need to be uh, working diligently with all of our groups and looking for the ones that actually can make that bridge. Whoever that might be is fine. I am just advocating, like I said, knowing what I know, seeing what I see, working with them. And I could be as you know objectionable and critical of them as I was before and will be in the future and calling it out like I see it. Um, I just 
think that with what we are creating and what our future is, when you think about what autonomous vehicles will bring, or even semi-autonomous, where they will drive to us and where fleets will be owned by these companies, who's to say that AAA doesn't own the vehicle or the fleet of vehicle, or they lease the vehicle, or RepairPal doesn't lease the vehicles to the clients. This is a complete breakout of what the transportation grid will look like, is that cars will be just utility utilities that we are going to open up our door one day and they'll be there for service and then they'll leave and come back. I believe that. I, it, might, it might be longer than five years out, but I truly believe that in certain areas, this is what we're going to experience. So being part of the transportation grid comes with responsibilities. And that's a whole nother point where we talk about V2V. But what we are delivering, what we can help deliver is a quality experience data that makes sense that helps the grid more than it doesn't help the grid. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I can go on. It would go, it's, it's like geek, geek 4.0. <laughs> Another talk for geek 4.0. Well, maybe that's what we need to go into pretty heavy. Uh, we get together again is that, that whole tech side that we haven't even covered about where 5g is heading, Greg and, uh, and, and this whole ADAS thing. And, you know, I'd love to find out what you guys are thinking about and how this aftermarket is going to deal with say ADIS uh, niche repair centers or calibration centers. Let's try to get together again sooner than we did the last time. I think it's been uh, more than a few months because you guys bring so many great insights. This is probably one of the deep think uh, podcast episodes or series that, that we've created. And I think as, as people listen to this, they're, uh, they, they have a lot of profound ideas coming out of here. So, hey, thank you for being here. Let's go around the room, Bill. Well, I guess, you know, after all is said and done, I feel great about this. You know, there's a lot of uh, unknowns on this panel to two computer geniuses, right? Oh yeah. And then I, and then tech, Mr. Tech extraordinaire. And I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I mean, if I'm heading down a dark alley called data acquisition, I got some heavily armed brothers in this industry. So I, I'm all in, you know what? Bring them on. Hey, Kareem, what's up with you? Any final words? I mean, I really love that discussion because it really brings to the, you know, the forefront, I think, what's going to be preoccupying us as independent shop owners uh, in the next few years to figure out how to really deliver value while remaining, you know, or continuing to become more profitable. I think that the secret is going to be in the data. Uh, to Greg's point, I think working with organizations like AAA, and, and I will personally, actually, after this discussion today, I, I put it down on my agenda to revisit uh, you know, what, what I could do potentially with them. Uh, I am no longer part of it. But I think the fact that they have the general public's ear to me is very important because I do think that all this greatness that can come about in our industry uh, to service our customers will come through what customers are going to require or request from their legislations, uh, legislature. And if they're not part of that loop and if they don't understand how these laws will affect their cars and their vehicles and their ownership of those vehicles in the future, it's important, I think. And, and the, the consumer could be, could be a private citizen, just like it could be a corporation that's got a, you know, a fleet of, of leased cars. But I think it's, it's a great topic. I, I think we definitely need to talk about you know, where AI is going in our industry. And I think 
uh, I'm going to hand it off, by the way, to Chris on that because I think Chris is in the thick of it. But I think AI, you know, to me, AI is nothing more than data mining and presenting that information to you in an actionable manner uh, to, for you to make decisions upon. It's data mining, but it also has a, a smart engine, some kind of software, learning software behind it that knows what to do with the data because there's a chunk of data. And AI comes by and says, ah, I've been there before in all these different models, right? These black boxes they talk about, that you take your statistician, you take your mathematician, you take your developer, you take your, you take all these different people and they bring all these different aspects and this black box becomes smarter than any individual. So absolutely that business intelligence and that application of, and the ability for this to actually learn. I mean, it is truly becoming artificial intelligence. It's, it's gone to a level beyond just data mining. I mean, it's gone to a intelligent level and, and that's, it's scary. It's good. It's going to change. So big data, unless you had a thousand people sitting around a room and they like looking at big data, that there was some things you could do with it. But but now it's becoming, and it's becoming clear because we're seeing it often. We're seeing it in more applicable places. We're starting to see it in our daily lives here and there. Everybody's touting AI it would be a great great topic because that's really where big data comes in. So you, there's a couple different models, AI models, but, but the data-driven model is one of those, right? Is taking in lots of information and then you kind of apply these different streams of thought to it and then it makes itself smarter and, and you continue to take these applications or use cases and you make, you adjust the model based off the use case. Once again, reason why vehicles here, that's, that's huge. How many times does a car pull into your shop and the customer says, there's a noise in the rear. Most of your master techs are going to, okay, it was right, right rear, left wheel is when you stop, when you go forward, when you take it left. And, and they're applying their intelligence to it to say, oh, yeah, it's a whatever. It's, it's just, you know, the muffler is a little loose or something like that, right? Or front. So it's going to take that to a whole new level when you can put that into the model. You're taking information from everywhere. And, and you're, once again, your front level guy can start solving problems very quickly. So I think that would be a great topic. I would like to say, actually, Carm, I do support three, actually, industry, ASA, ASCC, I'm not going to name them all, but uh, I actually support three. I'm just saying I would like to be a little more, I, I should be, I, I'm not going to say I'd like to be, I should be more actively involved because I know this stuff does matter. It's that time thing. Once I get affected, and maybe that's it. Well, you know, once I got to pull out the pitchfork and our data gets abused and that's when we all pull out our pitchforks and torches, you know, to, to Bill's point, we don't really know how it's going to affect us, right? I mean, this is such a new, incredible time. I'm glad that Greg, he's AAA's on our side. I didn't know that until Greg said that. I, that makes me feel good about tri AAA. I knew about some of these other organizations. So I, I'm in agreement. Like, I'm glad there's people sitting at the table that care for the independent because that's scary. That's really what we're scared about is, look, we have lots of all this data coming out. We know it's going to affect the world in massive changes. We just want to be able to do our jobs and do it well. And if people are keeping the data back from us, we can't do it. Right. And then, and then our customers are going to hate us, which mm. we don't want that. Nobody wants that. Right. The trick is to convince the partners that it's a profit. It's a win win rather than us being sort of just saying, well, here's what I've got. What can you help me with? And they come in and they just grab it all. 
You know, we have to be smart enough to say, no, no, this is going to be a win-win for the both of us or whoever else is going to be involved because we already know what the lay of the land is. That's what we're talking about here, aren't we? Thank you, Chris. Uh, Kareem, Bill, uh, let me uh, dare ask Greg for his final comments. I'm almost at a point where I almost could do a whole show with you on this whole AAA thing because I've written down a bunch of questions that I have about it. I don't want to get into it right now, but maybe you and I need to come back because I, I think they're profound thoughts on everything that you say about AAA and every Chris, you know, and Kareem, I didn't know that this is interesting right now. How does this work? They have the mind of the moms and, and they're at the legislative table and it's so interesting. And, and I think our, our listener, I, I don't think I would, it would be my job as if you will, the point of the plows of the industry podcaster, not to get back and get you in here. I know you're so busy, but uh, maybe we should, we can do 20 minutes on this. Anyway, Greg, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Okay. Well, first off, Chris, do, do not feel guilty. Family is always first, and, and you have a lovely time with your wife and your kids and doing your gigs. Enjoy life. There's there's so much more uh, in that realm and that world. And, and your presence, Amen. your presence <laughs> in the industry is very well known, and everybody knows you advocate for us. So, you know, don't feel so bad. You know, overall. We need to begin to think, we should have been thinking that we are in the transportation business and we are part of a transportation grid. Driving is a privilege, not a right. And as long as we work with vehicles that are part of that privilege, we are going to be required or should be required as professionals to make it as safe and as durable and as functional as possible with as least amount of injuries as we can. That means we have to take what skill sets we own, which is repairing vehicles, making them go to where we have to be, where we're going to be required to make them safe completely. So there's a lot of expansive type thinking that can go in to words just like that, a thought like that, but it's coming. We're not simply here to fix a car. We are going to be required to manage and help manage these other agencies, whether it's state, or road control, whatever the case might be, whatever agency that is, we're going to be asked to participate with them to make it better. When you go from one point, um, what is it? How many billions of cars are on the road now to double that within 10 years, two point some odd billion cars plus more on the road? It's going to take a managing type scenario. We are part of that grid. We should start to begin to, to work with partners who are deeper into it than we are. We are surface players. We haven't allowed ourselves to get deeper into the conversation because of our position as being independents. Those days need to be really reevaluated and learn to work with our agencies that are asking for help. Believe me, they are asking. And if we don't give our information, our expertise to these people or have somebody advocate on our behalf for them, then we lose relevancy, we lose credibility. And we vanish. So, yes, it is a long-term situation. I brought up one agency, one organization today that I have experienced personally. I have watched them turn around. Myself and other dealers help them change their thinking. There's more to it than what we've presented here today. And CARM, if permissible, I would love to be able to explain exactly what they're going for and why it's important for us to at least peek through their curtains. 
Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Uh, Greg Buckley, Buckley's Personalized Auto Care, Wilmington, Delaware. Also, Chris Clotier, co-owner, Golden Rule Auto Care, Dallas, Texas, and CEO of Auto Text Me. Kareem Morsley, owner of Winkler Automotive, Gaithiersburg, Maryland. And Bill Nalu, Interstate Auto Care, Madison Heights, Michigan. Thank you guys for another Geek Talk 2.0, Part 4. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.